Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're about to listen to an interview which our socios enjoyed in full 12 months ago. If you'd like to listen to these exclusive monthly big interviews on the day that they're released, it's time to join us. That means supporting us. It means the price of a pint per month. Go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Graham Hunter. Go now, join and become a socio. That means you get that extra big interview every month. And you'll also unlock our entire archive straight away, all for £2.99 a month. It's the best deal in town, baby. And we need you. Hello socios, new year, new big interview, just for you. This month it's Roberto Di Matteo, with whom I spent an entertaining couple of hours in London last month. Robbie came to the table ready to talk, and he brought insight, analysis, great stories, and plenty of laughs. You'll hear him reflect on the glory era of Syria A, where he was a big part of a swashbuckling Lazio side who scored goals for fun and should really have won the trophies to back up their talent. Robbie is brilliant on his time at Chelsea under Ruud Hullet. At Stamford Bridge, he added goals to his game and medals to his collection. There were famous goals, not least in the FA Cup final against Middlesbrough, and so-called sexy football under the extremely charismatic Hullet. He shed a tear. He laughed uproariously, told anecdotes that he's never shared before, including one about walking out on Chelsea. I guarantee you'll enjoy listening to this as much as I did recording it. Have fun. I want to start this interview with Roberto Di Matteo with a question that's puzzled me since the first time I saw you. I watched you play in the Olympic right. Stadium by fluke. I, I didn't come 23 years ago to plan this interview, but I thought, wow, look at Lazio go. They're playing sensationally. And it happened at the weekend I chose the home game was against Fiorentina, and you won 8-2 oh, against Claudio Ranieri's... 94, that was, yeah. Was in 94. That made me think even more excitedly about Syria. Ah, it's the first time I saw you playing there for a followed your career subsequently. So let me ask you this. Why would a talented midfield player think about walking away at the stage that you joined Chelsea mm. from, was it the golden era of Syria? Ah? When you look at your side, Juve, Milan, Inter, Samp, at minimum, plus Parma, all fighting for domestic supremacy, winning European trophies, 
and you're right at the heart of it. Why would you think about leaving that? <laughs> well, I need to give you a little bit of background why I made that decision, but it was certainly a very good era for the Serie A. The 90s were very, very good for the Serie A. Uh, you had a lot of uh, domestic uh, businessmen that were looking to get a bit more exposure, and so they would buy football clubs and then invest heavily into the, into the clubs and... Uh, and by players around the world. Cragnotti, for example. Lazio was, yeah, Lazio was taken over by Sergio Cragnotti. I think it was 92. And so it was an upcoming club, uh, ambitious club. He was very ambitious. So I found myself 93 with, uh, with this club that, you know, wanted to be involved in European football. And, uh, and over the years, you know, there was like a f- five-year plan probably to win uh, the Serie A. So I joined 93. The manager was Dinozov, the legendary Dinozov, who was like a father figure to me ah. uh, because, you know, he, he, he kind of probably saw me as a, a little boy, young boy coming from Switzerland, you know, uh, into a big city, capital of Italy. So he straight away from the first meeting, he put his arm around me and made me feel very welcome and comfortable. And that gave me also the confidence. I, I, I was pretty pretty confident myself but knowing that the manager actually kept an eye out for you uh, that uh, that was a good uh, good first step into the club so then the second season we had Zeman and that's probably one of those games that you saw it, is. it was it, it was is. a very a very attacking team 4-3-3 three, three, with you know the two number 8s overlapping the the wing backs and and the full backs overlapping the number 8 so it was a Full attacking team, very offensive-minded. Uh, and I was playing as a number six in front of the back four. I was a holding player, holding midfield player. And I was basically the third defender because everybody was attacking. So the ah. two centre-backs and me, we were basically the ones that were staying behind the balls. The full-backs were, not, were almost wingers. Oh, yeah. They, they, they had to go. Every time we were like in possession of the ball, attacking, the manager demanded that if the winger was cutting inside, either the eight or the full-back had to overlap to give the whip, yeah? So, from a learning perspective, for Mm. me, uh, as a player, that was an incredibly steep learning curve, you know, from going from a more traditional coach with Zoff 3-5-2 to a very modern, offensive-minded coach like Zeman with a 4-3-3 formation. And that really impressed me as well. And and we were scoring, you know, goals for fun uh, in, in those two years that... Uh, I was there with this coach. and uh, Can I help you with your memory? Because you finish your final season, not going back to Waitali, but you're talking about go- scoring goals for fun. You finish that season by winning the derby 2-0 mm. in the Olympic Stadium against Roma, going to Turin and beating Juventus, the Juventus of Lippi, mm. 3-0. Mm. The next game is a 4-1 home win in the Olympic Stadium over Inter. Next up is Samp, you win that one nil, and then you go and win the last game of the season. I think to Foggia, but you, you beat everybody who's big in the league. You beat them yeah, by yeah. scoring lots of goals. Stuff that at the time this is what intrigued me. It must have felt for you 
albeit in still as part of that steep learning curve where the pressure is on you to make every every inch of judgment of space and timing and movement and organization has to be perfect because everybody else has gone to party up front. Absolutely. You as a group and you as a player, you must have felt almost indestructible in that run of games under Zeman at the end of that season when you were playing Lazio's greatest football ever at that stage probably well, it was it was yeah it was pretty attractive yeah i mean everybody was talking about it and it was but what we didn't have was the, the we didn't have the strength to be able to play that kind of football over the whole season mm. like most teams would have a you know maybe a, a bad month or six weeks and in those you know, four to six weeks, we would lose points that we just couldn't gain again or, or catch up on the other teams that then would go on and win the Serie A title. So having experienced all that, you know, we finished, I think, the first year, we finished fifth, and then we finished third and second. But we were never actually close enough to win. So going, going back to, you know, the, my background, you know, I grew up in Switzerland with Italian parents and, you know, I went to school and uh, I, I, had, I, I have a, a BA diploma from, from Switzerland. And so then you move to Italy three years and I thought somehow, you know, I've been here three years and we've not won a trophy in three years, you know, not the Coppa Italia, not the UEFA Cup. Not to say we are title. You went to a semi-final, I think. Yeah, we it went. Juve. But uh, we, we just didn't win a trophy. And I thought, you know, I'm 26. I thought I was stuck somewhere. You know, I needed, ah. I needed a new challenge. I needed something new. Uh, I needed something new professionally and personally as well. Because I, 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 I like to learn. I am, I'm a person I like to learn. I like to study. So I wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to learn a new language, new culture, going into a different country that I don't know and so that's the reason why I thought you know what this is becoming too comfortable for me you know I'm a regular in this team I'm playing for the national team you know we're going to have another good season next year but I'm not sure if we're ever going to be actually competitive enough to challenge for the Serie A title so I threw myself really from a comfortable position into a, a new challenge because I want to learn. I wanted to improve myself um, and I wanted to enhance my horizon as well. Not just professionally, but personally as well. So Gullit called me, Root, who I knew from before because we played against each other a few times. And obviously the Premier League was founded in 92. And obviously we, you know, we, we kind of you know, caught the eye of well, what the Premier League was doing. You know, Most clubs were building new fantastic football stadiums and uh, you could uh, you, you were reading about players going to England and so on and when Ruth called me uh, you know, it was quite an easy decision I thought you know what that, that actually suits me again ambitious club Chelsea at the time it was a very ambitious club and they were you know they had just signed Viali uh, they were after me um, and so I thought you know, that's the challenge I need you've explained the idea of not getting into a comfort zone and why you might avoid that. But you, you've described Lazio. The, the Serie A in those days was very demanding, strategically, tactically. I think criticism still, was very still is. intense. Still is, yes. So you, you, you were being forged in a very tough atmosphere beyond the, the Zeman system in Lazio, because if I understand it correctly, 
as it still is now, the newspapers, the radio, the television, would scrutinise every minimal mistake and, right. and probably look to criticise long before they praised. Is that fair? And did that impact you while you were there? No, because you, you, you know, we are humans are animals of habit, so you get used to living in that kind of environment and you learn how to deal with it and how to, uh, to exercise your profession within that environment. So that wasn't a really an issue. Yeah, you, you know, the papers are, they can be very um, critical at times in mm. Italy, especially if things are not going right. But we had quite, you know, good three years, to be honest. So, yes, we got criticised a few times. and But you deal with that. That, that wasn't really a, an issue for me or a problem. I was just looking for something new. I found that I was in a, in a bubble that I needed to get out of it. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't just, it wasn't enough for me just to, to be comfortable there and, and play in Serie A. And, and I wanted to challenge. I wanted to challenge for titles, for trophies. I wanted to learn... And, and that's why I made the decision at really you know, 26 years of age you're probably those are the best years of your career and, and I knew that it could be a risk for, for my position in the national team as well but I took that risk on but you'd seen somebody do the opposite somebody very different from you you'd seen Paul Gascoigne move to Italy mm. and you played with him for at least two years two, two seasons, seasons. Yeah. Was he your first exposure to an English football person? Direct exposure. And, and, and what did you see in him in terms of the things we don't know? Because now his case is difficult because his, his, his personality hasn't been able to deal with things. But at that stage, he was a genuinely gifted, really genuinely gifted footballer, irrespective of how he treated his gifts. Did you have any connection with him? Did he seem... A completely odd beast when you when you you know you saw him in training and daily oh, I, work. I would, I would describe him as different as being different. I mean, you know, already then you could see that he had some you know he had some issues you know because he wasn't your regular guy you know he he was very volatile and uh, and so there was no doubt in his football skills and ability and training with him you know he would do certain things in training that. It would leave you, you know, with your mouth open. Genuinely. Yeah, genuinely. And, you know, he showed glimpse, really, glimpse of his talent and quality that he had. But he never really managed to reach the level that, you know, that he could and that, you know, everybody was expecting from him that we saw when he was here in England. But I didn't, I didn't look at him and think, oh, yeah, this is English football. No, I didn't do that. I didn't know too much about uh, the UK, about London. Really? I watched many, many cup finals, but even back in Switzerland, you know. It was a big, uh, it was a big event, uh, the FA Cup final uh, in Switzerland. Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't show, you know, the, the, the games, but the FA Cup final was always live on TV. And uh, I, what I remember as well is that you know, the perception of England was that, oh, it always rains in England. Every time I watched the FA Cup final, it was like a sunny day, or nine, out, nine times out of ten, it was like... That's a good point. I don't remember a rainy FA Cup final. It was, was, like, it was like a sunny day, and you'd think, why why do they always say that it, it rains in, in England? So, yeah. so that, you know, he, he, I didn't look at yeah. Gas and think, oh, you know, he is the example of an English football player, because I knew he was... It was exceptional in, in everything, in good and in bad. 
What did you think of London? What did you think, having had your Swiss perceptions about Cup Final Day must be every day, when you arrive, like, for example, in this series, we've talked a lot about, you know, the training ground was, you know, principally a hockey terrible. training ground. Windy, noisy. <laughs> they didn't show me the training ground before <laughs> I saw it. They showed it to this me. This wasn't in the brochure. Uh, no, that, no, it was really bad. I mean, you know, Harlington, it, it, it's basically a building that belonged, or still belongs to the college, and the club was hiring it. And uh, the funny day was the Wednesday. On the, on the Wednesday, we had to leave the ground, I think, by by one o'clock, we had to be out because the, the college students were coming in, so we had to be out and gone. <laughs> so students come in maybe to play hockey or yeah, rugby yeah, yeah, or... Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and, and the pitches were not very good, you know, because it, it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't meant... Uh, <laughs> yes, that's... I said, we won't edit that out. <laughs> that's, that, that's for Graham only, not for Roberto. Um, the, the pitches were obviously looked after by the college, so they just kept them, you know, normally, not like, you know, they're perfect like now. And it was windy, and it was it was terrible. And at least the showers were always hot, right? Oh the yes, water. oh yes, they were. Sometimes cold water, right? So, so, well, sometimes there wasn't the water. Sometimes <laughs> that that happened as well. You know, there wasn't water. Or there wasn't any cold. Uh, everything happened there. Everything. Then, then was the was the bright part of Harlington the manager, Rutulit, sitting on when he injures his leg, sitting on his chair with his leg up because he's injured, and he comes to training. And does this phrase ring a bell? All right, lovely boys, let's have some fun. Yes. That, that was Rude's, not only his belief, he said it to you every day at training, right? And that must be a strange message to get after the strictness of Italian football, or, or didn't it seem strange? Well, it, it wasn't as regimented as in Italy because in Italy, obviously, you know, uh, you you train, you know, much more, much more physically, much more tactically. Often twice a day, or sometimes twice a day. Yeah, I mean, Zeman obviously was a little bit uh, peculiar in that. You know, we, with him, we had twice a week we had a double session. You know, so on a Friday, so we had a double session on the Wednesday and a double session on the Friday. But normally you always have one double session and every other and, and every day training. It was very regimented. But I knew that Rude, obviously, you know, he he played in Italy for for many many years, so he, he certainly knew what was required. And uh, he was one of the main reasons why I obviously signed for Chelsea. Him and also, you know, the club that you know really showed that they wanted me because obviously, you know, it was a club record fee at the time that they paid it was. to sign me. It was a huge fee at the time. Yeah, it was, it was. And uh, and also then, you know, when I met Cam Bates and Susanna Bates and uh, and it, it felt really good, you know, it felt really uh, like a, a family and, you know, it was right. I, f- I felt it was right for me. So there you come, Ruth, <laughs> lovely boys, come on. <laughs> Did, did, did the lovely boys make any sense to you at the time? It was just something he used to say, you know. It was just, I don't know, something that he liked to say. I mean, he still says it today. You know, when he calls me, it's, it's, t- it's taken from a lovely sitcom. boy. Were you today, lovely boy? <laughs> it's from it ain't half hot, mama. A sort of crazy, sort of crummy British was, sitcom with Windsor Davis saying, "Lovely boy, shoulders back, lovely boy." And where did Root get it from? I, I don't know where he got it from, but he, he was obviously you know laid back and uh, Mr. Cool. And uh, but his his philosophy of football was very good. You know, I think we all enjoyed the fact that you know he brought a little bit of that Dutch philosophy. You know, put the ball on the ground, 
passing out from the back. You know, it was kind of innovative for England. Yeah. Uh, you know, the kind that style of football. And I think it was recognized that we were playing some good football. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Quite often you were 3-5-2? Uh, no, no, we played uh, no, 4-4-2 four, 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 or 4... We, we didn't play with 3 at the back many times. No. It was 4-4-2 four, four, or 4-3-3. Four, three, three. And you would be asked because either Eddie or Dennis could could do more of your role at Lazio and you were given much more well, creative changed, attacking responsibility. Yeah, Ruud totally changed that really. He just thought that maybe I could exploit my... Uh, offensive side uh, of my game a little bit more and so he gave me the freedom to go forward more often and he changed that a little bit me because uh, I, I wasn't a I wasn't player like that uh, up to when I signed for Chelsea so it paid off for the team I, I think in the first season I scored I don't know something like seven nine, seven in the league at least seven in the league I seven in the league. nine or ten goals in total so it paid off. I mean, he, he saw something that maybe other managers didn't see. Then you, you're, you're an organised, intelligent learner and a confident man. But, I, you know, I want to ask you a question related to Xavi, who presumably you like Xavi's football, I, I, I'm guessing. Oh, yes. But when, when Xavi begins, he is the same position as you at Lazio. You called it holding. But I like to think of what he did, what Pep does, what you did, is more about maybe even organising or... Okay. You know, a conductor, rather, we say holding here in Britain, and it's a rubbish word. You know, it doesn't yeah, mean Italy, anything. In Italy, we say, uh, say you are the geometer, the architect, the one that gives the tempo to That's, the team. So let's say architect and holding. Okay. I like architect, because it you're, implies... You're the, one, you're the one that gives the tempo to the team, you're the one that organises the team, the whole
holds the team together because obviously you're in the middle of it. So, you know, if, if the fullback goes forward, you move a little bit to the right to cover the area. You stay behind the ball so you can always receive the ball. You have to switch the game if you see that there's space in there. And you, you have to also command from behind if you know you see that there's a possibility to press high you go and shot and you command from behind so I, I put maybe a bit simplistic that you know a holding player but it's a very important role it's in- not your use of the word it's I'm, I'm being critical of it's here we lack the imagination to recognise what that role is at minimum it's organising and the architect is good because you build the foundations and then you build the stories upwards towards the, the top of the building for example in Italy you know, with uh, with Saki in the national, with Zeman as well. You know, they they told me that in that position, if if you have more than two touches, I said the whole the whole house crumbles. He said, you know, you need to have two touches, and for you to have two touches, you need to be able to receive the ball in the right with the right body position, and already you have already seen the picture where you want to go and what you want to do. So that was, you know daily training there was for the midfield player was you know open up your body receive the ball the first touch has to be perfect yes so that you can play the second ball I mean, the, with the second touch you can play either short pass a long pass or, or you shoot or whatever it is the right pass or the right pass and that's something that you know re- really uh, impressed me and I teach also how I coach my my players when I'm coaching that you know in midfield in the central position you need to kind of play two touches you know to give the tempo and managing risk because one thing we haven't mentioned is that you have to be brave you have to show you have to be available all the time but way in the back of your mind you, you recognize that if you make the mistake well you see I, I never, you see I, I never thought about that uh, about if I lose the ball because then maybe I would have not have the courage to demand the ball I was always demanding but I always wanted the ball and obviously, you know, you make mistakes, but I never thought I would make a mistake. From Switzerland to Wembley, you're sitting there. I didn't know what you were going to say, that the FA Cup was a big event um, in Switzerland. That Even that you'd watched it with a kind of half... God, that's an interesting event. English football, English weather. And, and then you end up, poor old Middlesbrough again, at, at Wembley in the Cup final. Right. Tell me, what does it mean? Getting there, the excitement... Wembley, I, uh, forgive me, you you played at Wembley before? No, that was the first time. It was the first time that I played at Wembley. Well, I, I mean, the whole week leading to the final, the FA Cup final, was a new experience for me because obviously you have all the the media commitments and uh, uh, and so on, and you know, new suit and uh, and the song, you know, record the song, and so it was all new and fun and. And exciting as well. Uh, this is with Suggs, right? Hmm? Chelsea, Chelsea, Blue Day. Yeah. And so then you get to the to the hotel the day before the game, and again it was quite a relaxed atmosphere in our hotel, you know. And again, that's probably because of Root, you know, he was just so chilled. <laughs> so we were quite confident, you know, before the game because we knew we had a good team, and if we turned up on the day, we had a good chance. So we were quite confident, but I didn't. Not for one single second did I think that I would score a goal. I mean, so we went into the game and obviously, you know, the, 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 the quickest goal uh, in the history happened to me. And 
Dennis Wise, you know, still claims that he made an assist in that final, which, you know, okay, if you do a pass a ball in your own half, if you call it an assist, I mean, okay, you can do that. But I think that's you congratulating <laughs> him for the quality of his pass, is it? In your own dry way. Well, it doesn't qualify in the, in the, in the football. His vision, but his vision. The, the weight of the pass. Come on. Anyway, so he passes me the ball and I start running forward and... I saw uh, Mark Hughes in front of me making a movement, and I'm thinking, no, I'm not going to give it to Mark Hughes. I'm just, just going to lose the ball or whatever. <laughs> so I just pulled the trigger, and uh, luckily the ball dipped a little bit. The goalkeeper was a bit in front of the of the goal line, and and it was uh, it was a great start to this final for us, and it certainly gave us even more confidence. And it, it settled a bit the nerves because it was a fun. It was important, you know, winning that. Uh, would mean playing in uh, European competition the season after, finishing the year with a trophy after 25 years for the club. So quite important, you know, actually very important. Even though you weren't super nervous and it was a relaxed group and you were confident strategically against Middlesbrough, you were aware of the weight of expectation from fans who hadn't seen a trophy for a quarter of a century, that yeah, at least. Yeah, I, I was used to it because I played the, the, in Italy, so the Roman derbies <laughs> and the games in Italy... The, the way Chelsea Middlesbrough is, is okay in terms of no, pressure. No, no, you can use it. I was 20, I know, by that time I, I was still 26, just about to get to become, uh, to turn 27, but you, you get used to it. You don't, you don't think about that anymore. But it's around you there would have been nerves. Yes, oh, quite, quite a bit of nerves. The English players, for example. Wembley would have meant, as special as it was for you, who'd seen it as a kid in Switzerland, I didn't know that. For them it must have been... If you talk about the goal taking away nerves, you're talking more about your teammates than you. Yeah, the te- I mean, uh, as, a, as a group, as a team, yeah, obviously, you know, it was a great start. You know, early goal in the final, it, it sets you up, you know, for a good, uh, I mean, for a high probability of winning the game. Can you close your eyes? Can you feel the euphoria? Can you remember the feeling? Oh, yes. I mean, I, I lost my mind for like 10 seconds when I started running like a like a rabbit, like, like a crazy man. Um, and you can see, obviously, you know, everybody was full of joy. I mean, the stadium was rocking. It was incredible. One of the happiest sporting moments of your life? Absolutely, yes. At that stage, at least. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I, won, the, you know, I won the championship in Switzerland as well. That was a great year as well. We have to be respectful of your time, so I'm going to skip a no, lot. Don't, don't skip. No, no, don't skip. Well, we have to get to winning the Champions League. That's something that we, that we need to talk about. But... Uh, at Chelsea, one of the things that stands out for me is that you go on to win trophy after trophy. Rude goes because Rude goes in his own way. I remember there's a little metaphor in that later as a manager, you'll take over in a kind of difficult situation in the Champions League. At the point at which Luca takes over, the Vicenza game has gone badly in Italy. It's that European progress that you've talked about. You win at Wembley, you go into Europe, you beat Betis, you score against Betis. A good Betis side, mm. coached by Luis Aragonés, who would go on to yeah. win 2008 with, in charge of Spain. I don't think you play in a return leg at, at, at the bridge against Vicenza for injury was, or suspension. No, I was suspended. Suspension. But it's yeah. going to get you to, to Stuttgart, coached by Yogi Lowe. The, what is the imp- do you, can you retain the moment in which Rude is gone it's a huge shock Luca takes over the Vicenza game is 1-0 it has to be overturned in order to proceed in it's the semi-final of 
Chelsea's sort of first chance at a final since 1971. And yet, from that day to winning in Stuttgart, it seems explosive. Everybody's confident again. What, what happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> yeah. In human terms, in coaching terms. Uh, what happened? Um, well, I, I, I think that we were still playing a little bit roots football. So even though Luca was the manager, but... Uh, you know, he, he couldn't change it in such a quick time or turn it over. But it was a shock to the team when uh, when Root was sacked. Uh, shock to us. It was very much liked uh, by by most of uh, of the team members. We weren't expected to lose uh, uh, in Italy. You know, we, no, we, no, we we didn't really expect to lose. Uh, we thought we were we were a good team, a strong team, and we could get a result. Uh, but. Somehow they had a great day and we probably didn't have such a good day. And so you find yourself overturning a 1-0 and it wasn't easy because they were well-drilled, well-organized. They didn't have individually very good players, or but as a group they were very good and they were very well-organized. So we had to dig very deep and again, that's that's where the, the spirit came out of, of that group, you know, with the players and... At some point during the game, you know, the the tactical aspect of the game was just completely lost. It was it was just sheer emotions and um, and drive and motivation and ambition to make the final, which got us to the final, you know. And because the bridge that night was a volcano. Oh, it was. And watch it from. I couldn't bear watching it. Where were you in I, the centre stand? I'll tell you what. I tell you what. Um, I, at some point during the second half, I couldn't bear watching it anymore. I left. Literally. I left. So nobody knows this, I think. I don't think I've ever told this, but I actually left and started to walk home. Because <gasps> <laughs> I, was kind of, I was kind of heartbroken that we, you know, we wouldn't reach. That it was going to go away. Yeah, it was, because it looked like, I think it was 1-1 um, one, one at that time. Yeah. They had scored they had the equaliser. Yeah. 1-1, yeah. so... We needed to score another two goals and there wasn't much time left, so I couldn't bear it anymore. So I started walking on because I needed to to be on my own. And then somewhere down the Fulham Road, I heard the roar, the 2-1. And I'm thinking, oof, 2-1, I'm thinking, ooh. So I'm, 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 I'm thinking, mm. so I keep walking, I keep walking. And, and I didn't hear... Because I was so far away by that time, I didn't hear the roar of the three-one. So I'm thinking, oh, I mean, we won two-one, but we're out of it. So by the time I got home, which it took me probably like half an hour, twenty-five minutes, by the time I got home, switched on the TV, I saw all the celebration. Mark Hughes, seventy-six minutes for three-one. It was, and you're in the final, and you go to Sweden for the final. Um, again, I went to report that it was a controversial game. From the beginning, because the manager puts Zola on the bench. Well, to be fair, to be fair, uh, you know, Gianfranco was injured for a couple of weeks before the final, and he tried his utmost best to recover for the final, and he did recover, but it would have probably been a little risky or a gamble to put him from the beginning. And we, we, you know, I don't. Personally, I'm not sure, but don't know whether he would have lasted the whole game. So Luca uh, left him on the bench, and you know I think ultimately it was the right move because you know he, he came on and scored the winning goal. Stuttgart now 
um, are, are struggling and have been for a long time. But in players like Thomas Berthold, for example, Murat Yakin, Balakov, who my memory says was a very good player, um, Poshner, Freddy Bobic, um, Akpabori was a shooting star for a while and very fast, but managed by a, a guy who's gone on to do things quite well subsequently, and Joachim Lowe. What, what were they like as, as, as cup final opponents? Oh, they were very good. They were very good. I think they had a really good season in Germany as well in the Bundesliga uh, that year. And I don't know if you know, Graham, but Joachim Löw is, is a friend of mine. He, I didn't know. You see, you didn't know. He, <laughs> we played together in Switzerland. No. In the little town of Schaffhausen where I grew up. Yes. We played together in the team uh, for, I think, a couple of seasons. Two seasons. <laughs> that is a shock. I like being surprised, but that is a surprise. So, you know, we were former teammates when we met uh, in the final uh, in, uh, in Stockholm. Hopefully you enjoyed that big interview, which was first released as an exclusive to our socios 12 months ago. If you'd like to get these interviews on the first day that they're available... It's time for you to join us, to become a socio, and for only £2.99 a month, you will get an exclusive big interview, plus regular mini-documentaries, not only all ad-free, but all featuring me, and bringing you interesting, funny, and sometimes scandalous things from Spanish football. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to unlock our entire archive. That means that once you join you will have a treasure trove of interviews with funny, elite, interesting, revelatory top-class footballers. By joining us, you will help support this independent podcast. You will help to keep us on the road interviewing people and sending that content for your delectation. If you go to the gym, you'll be slimmer. If you've got a dog, he or she will thank you. If you've got a TV, you can turn it off and listen to this instead. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.